Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by the man who has been practising his zen and feels a great sense of serenity. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? I'm fine. Um, Because of the miracle of technology, our listeners probably think that it's just it's been two weeks since the last time we recorded an episode but actually it's been about a month because we we yeah. banked some and we had a holiday yeah i think i did mention on the the last episode young adam that we were banking That's some right, you did um, because yeah. you you had a little holiday and we said that we were going to be meeting up in amsterdam and we, we did. did we met up and had a, a lovely um evening out for dinner and then a lovely afternoon <laughs> together yeah. um smashing quite a yeah smashing paints next to the yeah canals watching the world go by and putting it to rights um, yeah. yeah very yeah. pleasant afternoon yeah it's lovely so yeah so yeah it's been like a month since um since we've recorded yeah. so i don't know if uh if we'll be just trying to remember how to do um, it um <laughs> yeah exactly that's what i was <laughs> that's exactly the words i was looking for and i'm stumbling on them even then like when i was setting up and stuff and um I'm trying, like, I tested a little bit of recording, and I'm like, that sounds a bit shit. Is it, is it always sounded like that? I don't know. It's been so long <laughs> since I've done it. But yeah, because we banked, like, three in, yeah. like, a week. Um, yeah, it's taken a bit of time. But yeah, so uh, you had a lovely time in Scotland, did you? I did. Uh, I did. The UCI cycling was on, to the delight of some, to the annoyance of others, because it involved closing quite a lot of streets in the city centre. And But we, we saw a little bit of cycling, which, if, you're, if that's your thing, then... It was very interesting. They, they 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 go really fast. Those guys on their bikes. Um, and yeah, just yeah, just really back in my own house. Went through the loft, found some old photographs of uh, some photographs of us in our youth on the trip to Glasgow mm. that you and our mutual friend made and our other mutual friend. <laughs> the, so and we documented the adventures thereof. Um, so yeah, um, back. Uh, it was yeah, it was nice being there. Nice uh, getting around Glasgow. They, the most um, surprising thing, and I think I mentioned this to you when I saw you, but um, there's a very famous pub beside Queen Street Station called Sammy Dow's been there certainly for as long as mm. i can remember i think uh urban yeah. welsh might even mention it in train spotting in the chapter when tommy comes through to glasgow for eggy pop and it's a bit of an old man's pub and um, despite the fact mm. that it's also a bit of an institution over 18s only obviously so my cousin and i <laughs> my cousin and i were in there uh, having a couple of pints one saturday waiting for the train and i went to relieve myself in the gents and was surprised to find a baby changing table <laughs> In the chance toilet. <laughs> <laughs> judging, that's incredible. Judging by some of the characters that were in there, I suspect that probably flat surfaces were were required. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm sure that's not why it's there. There hasn't been such a scandal since the grill installed a, a lady's toilet <laughs> yeah, Aberdeen. In, in Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember, yeah, Sammy Dow's. Um, I've been in there a couple of times. I remember one time, I think I was, I can't even remember why I was in Glasgow. Must have been for something. And I think I had like maybe an hour or two before my train. And I'd done kind of everything else mm. I could do. So I think I, I remember going to the train station, getting a, a copy of Viz, <laughs> and then going to Sammy Dow's. <laughs> and just sitting having a couple of pints and reading Viz yeah. and chuckling away at myself. <laughs> Probably um, was it? Probably, luckily, I I made that out alive. Actually, was it? Was it maybe that time when you were working at Revolution in Aberdeen, and I think they were sort of courting you, perhaps 
as a potential manager, not realising that, of course, you had zero interest in that. But I remember you coming down to Glasgow. I remember one of the managers asking you to come down to Glasgow with her because she was coming down for a meeting or something like that. With they, because obviously the yeah. Revolution being a kind of UK chain of pubs, and I believe. Uh, I believe it still is. Um, and I think you just came down and just had a, <laughs> just sort of tooled about in the city centre for the day, going to pubs and stuff, having a look in the shops, and then came back up with her afterwards. <laughs> I, th- I think that was that's probably exactly what it was. <laughs> now I think about it, because if, if I was there on my own, then it must have been. Yeah. Um, I, I, I remember, I'd, I think, got sent to Manchester one time as well, uh, me and this other guy, Will, that um, worked with the Revolution. And again, it was because they were kind of courting us to be yeah. managers. And I oh, I got fucking hammered um, <laughs> that on the, the evening. And I remember the next day, we, um, we were literally halfway through the training mm-hmm. and Will and I were like, I can't be fucking arsed with this. <laughs> like, let's just say our train is earlier than it actually is. Because... We've got to go all the way back up to Aberdeen. They're not going to have a fucking clue. So literally about lunchtime, we did say to the guy, oh, we're going to have to leave in like an hour because our train. And he was like, what? <laughs> well, what's the point of you coming all down here? Like, we're like, well, sorry, it was just the, it was the train that was booked. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's not great, but okay, fair enough. Nothing we can do. <laughs> and then we just went to the pub for about three hours and then <laughs> went to Burger King and then <laughs> got the train <laughs> like five hours later. <laughs> Just couldn't be arsed. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. Um, but yes, Sally Dows. Oh, wonderful. Oh, yeah, baby changing table. That's impressive. Well, hey, it's um, you know, the amazing things that you see in pub exactly. toilets nowadays. Well, like we, we think we spoke on. Uh, I can't even remember if it was the last episode or the episode before because we. Yeah recorded them in quick succession and edited them um, uh, when I was speaking about buying blow-up sheep in, um, <laughs> right. in the gents' toilets. So yeah, funny things that you see in pub toilets nowadays. Indeed. Uh, amazing. Indeed. Anyway, it's, <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a few weeks since we've, uh, we've galloped through the murky depths of uh, the Scottish news. <laughs> Shall we have a look? Cue the jingle. Cue the jingle. <laughs> This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Uh, okay, Greg, uh, what have you seen in the last few weeks, for the last month or so, um, around Scotland that has caught your eye and you'd like to share with me and our lovely listeners? Uh, well, this one is from a couple of weeks ago, uh, the 16th of August. Uh, it's from the Scottish Sun. Uh, the headline reads, Rocket Man, Elton John, Tribute Singer. And magician caught with a hundred thousand pounds worth of cocaine in the boot of his car. <laughs> Perhaps taking the tribute act a bit too far there, Colin. Um, so this is this is Colin Lau, fifty-seven, from Hamilton. He told jurors that he had no idea there was a kilo of cocaine stashed away in one of his stage lights. <laughs> he he was stopped on the A thirty-four in Oxfordshire on February the thirteenth. Um, jurors heard how in another set of wrappings in the back of his Mercedes was nine hundred and ninety-two grams of benzocaine, a substance used as a cutting agent for the Class A drug. Uh, Lau, who goes by the stage name. Hamilton John 
in a nod to his hometown, claimed he was completely unaware he was heading south with cocaine worth about £25,000 in the wholesale market and £100,000 on the street. <laughs> he was on his way from Scotland to Bournemouth, where his son lives, in order to sing a number of gigs over Valentine's Week, because apparently Valentine's Day is now a week. Um, Lou, who spent a month on remand at uh, Her Majesty's, His Majesty's prison, Bullingdon, was bailed after an ex-SFA referee, Mike McCurry, a church minister and a fellow member oh, of the Magic Circle in Scotland, posted a £30,000 security <laughs> with the court. Lowe claimed to, have told an inc- claimed to have told an acquaintance, Charlie, whose surname he did not know and who he knew, and who he knew by the nickname Chooks, about his trip. He claimed that the man asked him to take some cigarettes in the car when he drove south and offered to pay £200 towards the fuel. Lowe agreed that the man could put his cigarettes in a storage box he had with him at the social club. Because I was working, he arranged to go to the studio in his garden and put the cigarettes in the box, said Colin. Uh, the studio was unlocked, he told the jury. He accepted not telling the police about chooks or the cigarettes on his arrest, telling the court that he was concerned about his repercussions. The alleged drug runner was asked by his barrister, Nick Robinson, did you put these items in that night? Did you know they were there? Did you know that there was cocaine and benzocaine in your vehicle? Did you agree to take Class A drugs to Bournemouth from Scotland to England? To each question, Colin said no. Mr Robinson said, we live in a sceptical world, Mr Lowe. Why should the jury accept your account? And Colin said, because it's the truth. Uh, Cross-examining the defendant... (laughs) Prosecutor David Parvin accused the part-time magician of making up his defence. Lowe said he had answered no comment to questions put to him by the police in interview on the advice of his solicitor. Mr McCurry described his magician colleague and member of his congregation as well liked... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking magician colleague. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, he... He was certainly good at um, uh, sort of magicking up some free kicks and penalties for the old firm in his days as a, a referee, as I recall. He, yeah, he did uh, plenty of card tricks as well <laughs> yeah, sure with uh, dishing out red cards against Aberdeen. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> so, so Mr McCurry uh, described his magician colleague and member of his congregation as well-liked <laughs> and highly respected, albeit sometimes a little bit too naive or too trusting. Asked why he posted a 30000 pound security with the court, Mr McCurry said simply, I believe him. So Lowe denies possession with intent to supply Class A drugs and the trial continues. So I think if he's found guilty, it's going to be a long, long time before he gets out of prison. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, he should just confess. I mean, to be fair, I mean, sorry does seem to be the hardest yeah, word. indeed. And it is quite a sacrifice, <laughs> but you'll still be standing and... Maybe he'll, he can, maybe he'll meet a maybe, nice cellmate called Daniel. <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> who's who's maybe a tiny dancer <laughs> and could maybe form a band or something, you know? Indeed, Benny and the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what a fucking literally a rocket man. Um, so he didn't realise he had. Sorry, how much cocaine was in this stage? Like, well, it depends uh, on how you look at it, Nikki. If you're looking at a wholesale value uh, for a quick sale, <laughs> twenty-five thousand pounds. But if you want to take it out in the street, hundred grand's worth all day long. And I, and I think you're you're prosecuted with by the the street value, aren't you? 
Like I believe so. The kind of the police imagine so, yeah. take a, a view on that, <laughs> yes. inflation on that. You know. <laughs> That's a bit unfair, maybe, because maybe he was going to like sell it wholesale. You never yeah. know. Um, uh, yeah. What? A, oh, Jesus. So I, this is wonderful. Um, so what? What is his name? Hamilton. Uh, his, John. Sta- his 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 real name is Colin Lau, but his stage name is Hamilton John. And hmm. tribute to okay. where he comes from. I see. Yeah. That doesn't really work though, does it? No. Hamilton John. No. Like. Elton John, Hamilton John. I don't know. Maybe it's not the best. Have you? Um, what's your favourite kind of tribute band name? Or uh, you, have you? Have you seen any? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's the the ones that are really good tend to have good. They tend to have like pretty good names, don't they? Like, they, have, they have. There's the Complete Stone Roses. Um, there is the Billy Shears band, the, the, the Beatles tribute band. There's the Bootleg Beatles as well. So, mm. I mean, there have been a couple. Oh, I tell you the best one. I just I was trying to think of it there. So when I worked at the Hard Rock Cafe, I think I mentioned this in the podcast before. We had an, we had the Scottish Alice Cooper uh, tribute band, eh, and the singer's name was Gallus Cooper. <laughs> That's what they called themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> what about you? I do like that. Um, well, I've I've seen No Oasis. Oh yeah, which I always thought was quite um, quite good. But I think my my favourite one I've ever seen is um, it's a rather overweight gentleman who is um, a Robbie Williams tribute act, and he calls himself Bobby Williams. <laughs> <laughs> um, or is the, the, the I, I I've no idea. I haven't seen him. Um, but the. Um, like there's a take that tribute band called uh, Fake That. Oh yeah, which um, yeah, it's always good. And then there's a, a Faith No More tribute band called uh, Fake No More, which you know <laughs> yeah. it's always uh, it's always good coming up with puns. But yeah, uh, Hamilton John doesn't really work. No. So I guess yeah, so he's going to be um, sent away for a little while. Like I mean, I guess a that's long, why long they call time. it the Blues. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for a long, long time. <laughs> Anyway, sell me. I'll be asking if he's. Are you ready for love? <laughs> if he ends up in a fraggle wing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's old uh, uh, Hamilton John or Colin Lau. Um, if I'll, I'll try and find out uh, what if the jury believed him or not, and I'll update on the next episode. But that's my first story this week. What's your first story for the pod? Uh, my first story is from the Scottish Sun, and it's from uh, last week, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, 15th of uh, August. A mum has blasted Sky Sports News after the popular TV channel aired a sexual advert while her young son was watching. Leanne Orr was stunned when she noticed Football Mad Max, Football Mad Max, I like what they've done there, uh, nine, being subjected to a commercial for Cialis, a drug for erectile dysfunction. (laughs) The ad, broadcast before 10am, featured a couple in a passionate clinch and seemingly getting undressed to head to the bedroom. Taking to TikTok, Leanne called on advertising watchdogs to take action. She said, it's a Sunday morning mm-hmm. and the kids are off school. Well, I'd hope so on a Sunday. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing if you're sending your fucking kids to school on a Sunday. Loads of kids love football. So can I ask, why the fuck is this advert <laughs> playing at 9.50am? I'm really annoyed. There's so much red tape on adverts. Do you notice there aren't any sweetie adverts on telly anymore? You're not allowed to advertise things because they're high in sugar, high in salt and all the rest of it. But you can have that on at 10 in the fucking morning. <laughs> 10 in the fucking morning when there's Wayne's watching. Who's passing this stuff? What is going on in the world? 
In the caption, she added, I get it's a news channel, but you need to sort out the adverts during the day. Protect our kids' innocence. Uh, A spokesman for the Advertising Standards Authority said, we can't comment on whether this ad was inappropriately scheduled uh, without going through our internal processes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Broadcast ads are pre-cleared and given appropriate timing uh, with clear scheduling restrictions. Our rules state that care must be taken when scheduling ads uh, that might be unsuitable for children. So she is uh, very upset that there was an advert for uh, Cialis on, uh, I mean, Cialis, I know you sponsor a lot of podcasts, so if you want to get in touch, <laughs> we're more than happy to uh, to <laughs> take your money if you don't want to advertise in Sky Sports anymore. But um, how, how would you feel about that? As a father, how would you feel about that inappropriate advert to like 10 o'clock in the morning? I mean, I know you haven't seen the ad. There are a, an image um, and there is a couple obviously getting a little bit randy, and, and but they're not getting undressed as such. You know, there's no... They're not going to win any Ewan McGregor awards <laughs> for um, for this, so you know it's it's nothing too bad. But you know, nine years old, do you really know? I mean, erectile, what that is about? erectile dysfunction can hit at all ages, Nicky. I didn't mean he was wanting to purchase Cialis. I meant, is he going to know what's going on? You know what I mean? I mean like uh, in terms of, is he going to be understanding? I think this? I think what's more important here is the like the likelihood of a nine year old paying any attention to Sky News when it's on is incredibly low, right? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but it's, um, it's, it's Sky Sports News because oh. he is a, a football fan. Oh, I see. So oh, he was right. football. Yeah, so yeah, no, I think you did say that, yeah. You did say that. Um, you know, I think it's fine, isn't it? I think kids are older now than they were when we were, when we were that age. I mean, I can't imagine what... I mean, I think if there was an advert on for something like that when I was younger... I would be waiting for that advert to come on with my thumb poised over the <laughs> record button, and especially if there was any sort of sexy sexiness about the advert, you know, like attractive lady, perhaps or whatever. I'd have been poised, ready to record it. With uh, so we're thinking, what the Cadbury's flake advert, probably. Um, yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe Pure, Tur- Turkish delight. Yep. As uh, well, pure, pure um, soap. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a yeah. good one. Yeah, uh, t- that, Timothy, yeah. Um, Timothy shampoo. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, she was lovely. Yeah, um, caramel bunny. If you were well, into that, I mean, I mean, we, but then once you find out that it's voiced by Miriam Margulies, <laughs> <laughs> loses its attraction. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not just because it's a cartoon. <laughs> the thing is, like when you're. When you're that age and like your body is just ninety nine percent of the time vibrating with hormones, it's sort of any port in a storm, isn't it? <laughs> really? you know? Yeah, not at nine though, man. Come on, yeah, you, surely if you were tossing the cable at nine, <laughs> nine, then that's um, no, I wasn't. It's quite impressive. <laughs> I wasn't. Oh, I, I, I definitely wasn't doing that. But I do remember feeling like intense attraction to like people on the telly, like most of the girls and neighbours, sort of from like the nineteen eighty eight to I don't know until it was cancelled last year. <laughs> um, what else? It's coming back. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, Kylie Minogue's really annoyed because she only agreed to do a cameo because they assured her that under no circumstances was it ever coming back. (laughs) Less than a year later, it's come back. Um, What was the um, kind of 
first memory you maybe have of, of uh, a female you were attracted to? Uh, if I can ask that question. Cheryl Baker from Bucks Fizz. Well, in fact, both of the girls on Bucks oh, Fizz. Yeah. yeah, I used to have a thing about like attractive women with their socks and shoes off. I mean, it's probably never really gone away, if I'm being quite honest. But... Um, so what you got? You're saying you got a foot fetish? No, it's it's not 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 quite not a full on foot fetish, not like a full blown. <laughs> but uh, I remember there was a, there's a music video for one of the Fizz's songs where there's a sort of animated guy made of stars. So and the, the girls are in their pajamas and stuff like that. And yeah, and uh, Kate Bush as well to find her quite oh, fucking perfect. <laughs> what about you? What about you? What about you? April O'Neil. Um, I I think I I mentioned sorry April O'Neil. <laughs> April O'Neil. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, she stirred my loins a bit. Um, I honestly, the, the first kind of I, I really remember finding how could I say this like confusing? Do you know what I mean? Like, in terms of like, oh, what's what's this feel? Why am I, do I feel this way? Um, it was um, Vix from um, we've got a fuzz box and we're gonna use it. Um, <laughs> well, I don't remember that. <laughs> Which is, what, was, what was that? Uh, First Fox, the band. Um, oh, right. Pink Sunshine. Yes, sorry, yep, yeah. I, yeah. I was like, trying to think of um, a TV show there. No, no, the band Fuzzbox. Um, I, I mean, yeah, their name was We've Got a Fuzzbox and we're going to use it, but it was shortened to Fuzzbox. But um, yeah, I remember really fancying Vix mm. for some reason. Um, and I would say Belinda Carlisle. Oh, yeah. As mm-hmm. well. So I guess, strangely, I don't know about a thing for redheads, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And April O'Neil as well. What about um, um, what so- about uh, <laughs> uh, Carol Decker from Tapau, the redhead bunch? Of? Yeah, yeah. Carol Decker was yeah, yeah. She was um, she was up my street as yeah. well. Yeah, I liked yeah Carol Decker. Yeah, and the Scot- this nice. Scottish lady from Fairground Attraction, whose name has completely escaped me. Uh, 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 Eddie, Eddie Reader. Reader. That's it. Yeah, of course. She's a bit older though, wasn't she? I, I mean, I, I don't think I was into milfs when I was that young. <laughs> No, perhaps not. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. So, um, what else have you seen this week, Craig? Um, well, I'm just going to like this isn't the, this isn't the story. Well, this is a story, but it's not the story I'm going to do. Just so everyone knows, um, the iron brew workers are on strike, so mm. you might want to start stockpiling. Um, obviously, not you because you're in Amsterdam, and not me because we're both men of a certain age and guzzling can after can of iron brew isn't going to help either of us. But if you're the if you're an iron, no. if you're then you know if you're young and you've got the metabolism for it and you want to start stocking up. Now my next story is another well, I've, done, I've done a couple of Loch Ness monster stories over the over the years. Um but this one just made me laugh out loud and I thought it's got to come back. I've got to talk about it again. Um so the headline is Shock Ness Urgent Warning. Urgent warning uh, as extensive Loch Ness monster search could stir up a whirlpool of evil. <laughs> So this is this is the this is the warning by leading paranormal investigator Ron Halliday. He fears that plans to flush out the elusive beast with drones, infrared cameras, and underwater sound detectors will lead to spirits being unleashed. Uh, organisers are calling the two-day operation the biggest search for the Loch Ness monster in more than fifty years. But Mr. Halliday, who has been investigating the paranormal for thirty years, said, "I suggest this 
this project be called off, or at the very least, there's some psychic protection for anyone involved. I was concerned <laughs> to read about plans for a massive search for the Loch Ness Monster. I'm not convinced this is search is a good idea. We could be stirring up a whirlpool of evil. Uh, an army of volunteers is also set to watch the loch from a safe vantage point on land surrounding Loch Ness um, on August the 27th and the 28th, uh, which is today and tomorrow. Uh, they have been warned mm. to stay vigilant and bring binoculars and cameras to gather evidence. Uh, the effort has been organised by the Loch Ness Centre in Drumnadrochet and a volunteer research team called Loch Ness Exploration. The organisation's Alan McKenna hoped the large-scale surface watch would inspire a new generation of enthusiasts. It's understood to be the biggest search for the monster since the Loch Ness Investigation Bureau studied the waters in 1972. It will involve technology not previously used before. But researcher Mr Halliday, who has published books including The A to Z of Paranormal Scotland and Scotland's X-Files, has warned that plans could backfire. He added, The truth is there's little evidence that we're dealing with a flesh and blood creature. It's more likely that the loch is home to an unknown spirit form. Uh, Paul Nixon, he might not have done that scary voice. Uh, I just I just like doing it. Uh, <laughs> Paul Nixon, general manager of the Loch Ness Centre, said, The watch is designed to be observational and not invasive. The loch is home to a whole host of wildlife and it's very important this does not become disturbed. While we appreciate the offer of psychic protection, we are confident our robust safety procedures will ensure a positive weekend for all involved in what will be the largest surfer, the largest the largest surface level search for Nessie in over 50 years. So once again, people are de- devoting their time to search for something that there's very little evidence <laughs> actually exists. <laughs> so what's this a whirlpool of evil? Well, I, it's going to be I think Mr. Halliday's contention is is that all the various sightings and for those people at home they can't see me holding up the quotation marks fingers of the Loch Ness monster is in fact some unknown spirits sort of casting a shadow and making mm. the water ripple and doing all the things that people tell lies about when they claim to have seen the Loch Ness monster. Um and if and if and if it's recorded on drone camera it could stir up a whirlpool of evil. It could be the end of the world. So it's like the River of Slime in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> ex- it sounds exactly like the River of Slime in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> yes, exactly that. <laughs> so Nessie is Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> Effectively. Yeah. And it's that command me, Nessie. <laughs> is that what we're we're kind of saying here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. That would make Ron Halliday maybe like Egon, maybe perhaps. He's not. Maybe. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's he's not fun enough to be like Peter or or Ray. And obviously he's white, um, so he can't be Winston. But then you remember in Ghostbusters too, it is heavily implied that Egon has fucked the slime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. So are you saying that this gentleman has had sexual relations with this whirlpool? He's maybe rattled the murky waters of Loch Ness, perhaps. No idea. He's been... I've forgotten all about that. I have not seen Ghostbusters 2 for a long time, because if I'm being really honest, I know that you and our mutual friend love Ghostbusters 2. For me, I've never really been as fond of it as you guys. I, I much, much prefer the first one. Uh, I Yeah, I prefer the first one, but I do. I love Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. It just I think it just holds many happy memories for me, mm-hmm. I think. And um, I do still enjoy it. And it's still, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not as good as the first one, but it's fun. 
But yeah, yeah, there is heavily implied that Egon um, has sex with uh, the slang before jamming it in a toaster to dance to Jackie Wilson. Um, so, what? Um, so, what's he basically saying? Just, just don't bother looking for Nessie. Yeah, he's saying don't. It's just, it's a, just gonna. It's, yeah. a, it's a potential veritable Pandora's box. Um, revelations. Uh, sort of jump-starting, enticing, uh, just messing with forces we don't understand. And we should just leave well alone. So what do you think we should do? Should we keep looking or just leave it alone? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> people could do it. I'm happy for people to do whatever they like. <laughs> you know, just crack on if you want. If you believe in a Loch Ness Monster and you want to devote your life to proving its existence, then good luck to you. Well, there you go. That is the official line from the Culture Swally. <laughs> if you want to have a look for the Nessie, knock yourself yeah. out and go and do it. Um, from, just fill don't your pockets. have sex with any slime. Yeah, exactly. And don't, get in, no, and don't have sex with... Loch Ness itself because uh, the, the people who live in the banks won't appreciate it frankly so you know no <clears throat> no they've probably got enough of uh, stuff like that exactly. so yeah probably a good idea anyway that's uh, that's Ron Halliday and his uh, Whirlpool of Evil which is your next story this week uh, my next uh, story comes I was about to say my next Ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that came out of that. Uh, my next story comes from Edinburgh Live, and this is from today. Um, and it's um, about a family that have said that they're night out at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, because obviously the Fringe is just finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just finished. Just finished yeah. um, was ruined after a member of their party was thrown out of a show for telling their daughter it was brilliant. An Edinburgh mum, her partner, daughter, and her daughter's friend, who do not wish to be named, bought tickets to see train spotting at the Pleasance EICC. They attended the 8.45pm performance on Friday, August 25th, on the recommendation of their daughter's friend, after going out for dinner together in the city. The mum, who is 60 years old, said that they were enjoying the show when her daughter's friend said the show was brilliant. She claims that out of nowhere, a cast member pointed to the male and said, Out! <laughs> Before before he was frog-marched out of the venue at the hands of security. Uh, the woman said, I bought the tickets for train spotting as a recommendation from my daughter's friend. I purchased four tickets for me, my partner, my daughter and her friend to go to last night's performance. The show was excellent and there was a lot of activity around us with all the cast at points either sitting or standing next to us in the second row. The main actor then stared at my daughter's friend and said, Out! A security guard then came in and frog-marched him out. We thought it was a joke. My daughter said that all he had done was turn to her and said, this is brilliant. We spoke to people sitting behind us and across from us uh, and when we were leaving and they couldn't believe what happened. We spoke to the box office and one of the managers there said uh, to ask for a refund. But the manager just nodded politely and said nothing. I approached one of the actors uh, who said that he'd been warned. That's absolutely rubbish. Warned of what? I have been to many shows over the years and never experienced anything like this. So sad. It totally ruined our night. So uh, she's claiming that the guy just turned to her daughter and said, oh, this is brilliant, and then got thrown out. Yeah, that's... Uh, come on. Mm, that's not what happened. No. There's there's more to that. than It's like the the story we had on um, last year, I think, was at the um, the Jersey Boys. Yeah, yeah. When people were thrown out for singing along, and um, I think that, that went to court, I think, um, in the last couple of weeks. And I think it did find out that they'd actually assaulted staff at the, <laughs> yes. the theatre yeah. these women that were thrown out but um but these this couple well this family yeah have just been 
thrown out for for just saying this is brilliant. I mean, yeah, there's more to that than that. Come on, if the if the the way they're talking about it, if the um the, the cast are kind of interacting with the audience in that way, that they're, they're not going to throw someone out for just saying this is brilliant. No, I don't think so. I mean, and there has been there has been a few stories that I've read when I've been doing research for the pod over the last few months um, of people being asked to leave shows um, not so much plays but certainly these kind of jukebox musicals you know because they sort of tend to, you know or, or not jukebox musicals but any type of musical that's the songs are well known from and people want to sing along and things and uh, by all accounts uh, stage casts are getting you know they're quite sensitive about it these days and uh, mm. yeah to your point this one I imagine probably that this guy who's been chucked out has perhaps been a bit chatty throughout the show um, I can't imagine like a cast member asking for someone to be removed just for saying one word whether it was like in praise or in criticism of what was going on in the stage it just doesn't ring very true does it? Nah it doesn't it doesn't at all it stinks <laughs> it stinks to me but there's another story that has just popped up, actually, as I was reading that out, from, like, now, um, as we're recording. And it's um, Scottish singing kettle star, sorry, after performing inappropriate lyrics to families. <laughs> uh, so the the singing kettle star, and I'm not familiar with this in kettle, but it's Artie Trezzy. Artie Trezzy, okay. yeah. He has apologised to families um, if they were left feeling offended by a change of lyrics in a legendary children's song. Uh, the entertainer was singing... <laughs> he was singing... <laughs> you kind of shove, shove your granny off a bus. <laughs> but he changed the lyrics to you kind of get your granny off the drugs. And... <laughs> 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 He has, um, he's vowed never to utter those words again and said, I didn't sing the song, um, but I did recite two lines of it for adults in the audience. Um, I thought the audience would think that I condone drug taking and wasn't sympathetic to families who have to deal with those problems upsets me. 76 years old yeah. and he's singing, you can't get your granny off of drugs. Um, so yeah, so it's been um, quite a, a wild week in Edinburgh in yeah. terms of people getting offended and thrown out that's the fringe for you folks well well, what was it it was Jerry Sadowitz last year (laughs) this year it's the guy from the singing kettle (laughs) Uh, yeah what was um, Graham Lennon as well Um, that got banned but yeah the guy from the singing kettle that's yeah that's better actually yeah (laughs) you're right Jerry Sadowitz and the guy from the singing kettle that's not two people you would kind of put together but um, yeah yeah, maybe next year they can get a little fringe act on the go perhaps perhaps so, I've got a quick game before we move on to uh, a review of Series 3 of Guilt. So, way back at the inception of the podcast, we decided that we wanted to do some of the funnier news stories that you that seem to that seem to be quite particular to Scotland. Um, and mm. uh, you know, and most most of the time we've never struggled <laughs> to find something. So, I've trolled back through maybe almost twenty years of Scottish news headlines, and I all I, so I've not I've not prepared Nicky for this. I've not prepared him for it. All you need to do no. is tell me if the headline is Scottish news or false, basically. So I was going to call the game the news quiz, but then I remembered that Radio Four have been doing the news quiz for years. I don't want to get sued <laughs> off the BBC. And then I was going to call it the Mick News quid, uh, quiz, but then I thought, you know, McDonald's, uh, you know, if they cared that much, could make life difficult for us. So I'm just going to call it the Scottish news quiz, okay? 
So I'm going to read. Okay. I'm going to read you a few headlines, and I just want you to tell me if it's uh, if it's if it's a true Scottish headline or if it isn't. So and now the the ones that aren't true are they? Have you just made these up, or they're they're news stories, but they're not Scottish? Well, that's for you. That's that for you sense. to determine. All right. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, okay. Um, okay. Right, okay. So the first one is Falkirk man cuts off testicles for old firm bet. <laughs> I'm going to say that's true. Yeah, it's, it's Scottish news. <laughs> it's, it's false. Um, oh. it, it is a true story, but it was actually a Welsh uh, rugby fan <laughs> who, who said in the pub that uh, if Wales didn't beat England, if Wales couldn't beat England today, we'd cut off his own bollocks and then England beat them. So he went away and cut off his bollocks and came back into the pub with them in a little sandwich bag, apparently. So Jesus, that, that, that's... Yeah, that's a bit too yeah, much, I right. think. The Welsh care a lot about their rugby. What can I say? Um, okay, mm. next one then. Drunk man attacked house whilst, whilst holding genitals. I'm, I'm just going to say that's true. <laughs> yes, because it's... Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's, it really, it's true. When was this from? Uh, oh, right, just make it up here. So this is... So, um, uh, how did he attack a house? So, um, this was a man who he, had, he admitted causing a, bar, a bizarre disturbance in West Lothian uh, in the village of Bridge End in 2014. He was seen shouting sexual and homophobic insults while, he, while hitting the doors and windows of a house whilst, quotation marks, brandishing his private member. <laughs> <laughs> Love Tina Turner. <laughs> okay, um... Next one then. Drunk passenger attacked plane crew with false leg. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> right. What have I got? I've got 50-50 so far. <clears throat> I am going to go with that's true. That is true. Uh, a flight from Tunisia <laughs> to Scotland had to be diverted after a drunk passenger attacked crab <laughs> cabin crew with her prosthetic leg. The woman demanded cigarettes and a parachute before slapping... <laughs> Give me 200 regal and a parachute, please. Uh, she slapped the young girl sitting next to her before unfastening her leg and swinging it at the flight attendants. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame. Um, okay, man, <laughs> man caught pleasuring himself with pickle in public toilets. <laughs> I'm I'm going to say that's false because uh, just by the law of averages, yeah. I'm, I, and I've I've picked everyone as true so far, so I'm going to go with false. Yeah, it is false. Uh, it, it 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 did happen, yeah. but it didn't happen in Scotland. Uh, it <laughs> happened in um, it happened in Florida, um, perhaps unsurprisingly. Okay, a couple more. Uh, man gets ten days in jail for punching Swan. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, that's got to be true. It has to be. Um, it's, it, it's not Scottish news. No, that, also, that happened, to, oh. that happened in America. Okay, uh, man seen running on motorway in tartan boxer shorts, naked. Oh, well, yeah, that's probably an everyday occurrence. Like, it's, yeah, I'm going to say that's, that's true. true. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Scots teens arrested after mass gnome theft. Uh, now, I think I've... Oh, no, have I read about this? Um... Yeah, I'm going to say that's true as well. It is true. I, I, mean, I kind of feel bad. I'm saying that they're all true. But okay, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, it, it happened in Aberdeenshire uh, in 2013. Um, two teenagers who had stolen more than 30 garden gnomes. <laughs> that's dedication. Uh, <laughs> Cheryl Baker and Roy Castle would have been up for that. Uh, a search of a car near Banff. Yielded a horde of garden sculptures, including a two-foot statue of Urwilly and a gnome in a police uniform. 
Um, uh, okay, and the last one, Scottish fish invented sexual intercourse. No, I'm going to say that's false. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Right. <laughs> How? What? Right, I'm going to tell you. I I'm thought, going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Did, did Adam and Eve not <laughs> so, uh, invent sexual intercourse? So in October 2014, scientists managed to trace the history of vertebrae sexual intercourse to an ancient armoured fish that lived in the lochs of Scotland 385 million years ago. Um... The first creatures to use this form of reproduction were the first jawed fish called Microbryachis dicki. Not making it up. <laughs> it's completely true. Microbryachis dicki. I think they need to get in touch with your lad about Loch Ness Monster <laughs> and see what's going on there because that's just, it's a, a whirlpool of yeah. hate and <laughs> evilness. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So that's it. That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it was. Enjoyed that. Yeah, thanks very much. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Nice little end to the news. And uh, yeah, who knew so much um, shite goes on in Scotland? (laughs) It might might become a reoccurring thing, an occasional reoccurring thing. I know what, yeah, I I do have, um, because I had one. It's funny that you mentioned that because um, I did a while ago come across this old news article and I did think about should we do like retro news Mm. at some point Um, because this is from 2007 and it's just, I mean, the headline says it all. I'm not going to go into the article, but the headline is man caught trying to have sex with bicycle. (laughs) And I thought... (laughs) He was given three years probation. Um, he was in air. And uh, yeah, because he got caught trying to have sex with a bicycle. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll... Um, I've, I've spoiled that one now, but we can revisit that maybe at, uh, at some point yep. later on. All right, wonderful. Well, thank you very much for that, Craig. Much appreciated. Uh, that was a wonderful little uh, little game. Um, okay, uh, before we go on to what we're going to be talking about today, let's have a little word from our sponsors. And our sponsors this week is Doric Skateboards, uh, a skateboard brand created by Gary Kemp, whose main focus is to explore the people and culture of Aberdeen and the northeast of Scotland and create designs that reflect life in that area. Doric Skateboards screen print their own decks in their studio by Gary's Fair Hand, and they produce some amazing designs over the years, including an Annie Lennox-inspired board, a Robert the Bruce deck, and a plenty of pop deck inspired by the old Bonacord trucks that used to drive around Aberdeen delivering fizzy drinks. Dart skateboards also replicate these amazing designs onto their clothing on 100% organic cotton tees, hoodies and sweatshirts and you can fill your boots on stickers, pin badges and beanies too. Uh, Gary regularly collaborates with local artists to ensure that he brings the latest designs to the market but always with a Doric twist including the latest Northfield Tower design. So check out Doric Skateboards for yourself on DoricSkateboards.com and follow them on Instagram at Doric Skateboards to see the amazing designs on offer. And we're delighted to be able to offer you 15% off as listeners to this podcast. All you need to do is head to DoricSkateboards.com, have a look at the amazing decks, stickers, badges, hoodies, tees, everything they have on offer, and enter the promo code SWALLY. That's S-W-A-L-L-Y, same as the name of this podcast, all in block capitals, and get your 15% off your order. That's DoricSkateboards.com, link in the description of this podcast. Okay, so I picked Young Adam for the last episode, which means this episode is your turn to choose. 
And it's the first time that we've ever done something like this on the podcast where we've done every series. So why don't you introduce mm. what we're talking about today? Well, it's not the first time, Greg, because we did both series of the book group. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it's, not no. the, it's not the first yeah, time. But, um, but on today's episode, I wanted to look at the third and final series of the Neil Forsyth darkly comic Scottish drama Guilt. As Greg mentioned, we covered Series 1 and Series 2 previously on Episodes 36 and Episodes 52 of The Culture Swally, available wherever you get your podcasts. Starring Mark Bonner and Jamie Sive, Series 3 picks up a year after the end of Series 2, which saw Max heading to Chicago to join Jake, who had his own Scottish pub in the Windy City. Roy Lynch was last seen on the balcony with Teddy and is presumed to be dead, leaving his widow Maggie Lynch to take charge of the family business. Series 3 also sees the return of a whole host of characters from the previous two series, and early in episode 1, events lead to the brothers finding themselves back in Leith, but trying to avoid Maggie Lynch. So, Series 3 of Guilt came out in April of this year, 2023. We will be giving a lot of spoilers, Mm. so if you haven't seen it, probably Andy in Finland if you haven't (laughs) seen this yet, because I know it took a while to uh, to get Series 2, then I wouldn't recommend listening to this until you've seen it. So, Greg, um, obviously, it was your first viewing. How did you find Series 3 of Guilt? Um, Well, with Series 2, the first series of Guilt was just like absolutely astonishingly good mm-hmm. you know even it's by any measure it's fucking brilliant but even you know but for to you know for to, to come to come from like the, the bbc and be such a clever and smart and sort of and sort of cool um drama uh was pretty special i thought the second series i think it suffered a wee bit from not enough uh jamie ives but this series um, if there was any, if there was any sort of uh, any sort of tiny, tiny disappointments about the second series of Guilt, I think this third series just fucking completely, uh, completely excels. You know what I mean? Absolves and excels. It's absolutely fantastic. I've literally got written in my notes. This is better than series two, but not as good as series one. No. But you needed all of them to get to this stage. Yeah, and. I think it, it it's a complete package and it's just it's twelve episodes yeah. in total. Yeah. Of just this incredible show. And I I absolutely loved this third series. I agree. Um I, I thought series two was okay, but not as good. I mean, there was some there was some good kind of introductions. I think Teddy yeah. was a, a wonderful introduction. And I think and I, I agree with you that series two lacked a lot of Jamie Sives. Um but Emin Elliot kind of stepped up yeah. in series two, if you know what I mean. He kind of became the main character along with Max mm-hmm. in, in series two. But at least, you know, Jamie Sives is back kind of in full force in, in series three. And I thought Erin, um, Sarah Vickers' character in series two was a, a brilliant mm. a- addition as well. I mean, she kind of replaced Angie, really, yeah, you know, yeah. as kind of the the female character you needed. But I, I thought she was brilliant. And um, yeah, I, I, I really like series two, but it, it's not series one is you know kind of you almost wish i don't wish actually i don't know where i'm going with that but like series one is just these four episodes of just absolute perfection and if they'd left it at that it would have just been probably one of the most perfect things but even though now they've created 12 it's still for me genuinely one of my favorite shows of all time like i i i'm almost upset that it's over but i'm kind of i kind of hope they don't do any more but i 
I could genuinely, I could just sit and watch Max and Jake all day. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the first series, those first four episodes in that in that first series, you know, we're, we're getting to know the characters. You know what I mean? And I think what I think mm. what was good about that first series, like, especially with Max, you know, you, you sort of get to a point where you think you've got Max figured out and then he does something mm. completely <laughs> unsurprising that you weren't expecting. You know, by the time we get to this series, you know, we've we've spent eight hours with Max um, and you're kind of you're sort of anticipating because as much as he's the sort of antihero and in a lot of ways quite dislikable, you pull for him, you know, so you're you, you sort of and it, oh, it's all because Mark Bonner is just so fantastic. It's, you know, so although they, you know, he's you're never sure, although he says that he's try to help Jake and he's trying to, you know, do this and do that and he's 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 doing all this for both of them and stuff. You still have that feeling that he's he's gonna fuck Jake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. gonna fuck him. Which sort of make you know, we'll get to it, but it sort of makes like the last sort of fifteen minutes or so of the last episode so um rewarding, I think, as a viewer. But uh, you know, it's just you're just like you, you although although you know that for Max to sort of to kind of win, it means that a lot of the other characters in it, some of whom you may like, some of whom you you probably don't and you're not meant to, are going to like lose in a big way. You're still like really rooting for him. Such a fantastic character. Oh, he's just wonderful, and it's the it's it's the one liners you know he comes out with, and you know he's a, he's a horrible man, and and it, it's almost not a surprise within like the first five minutes of series three, you you, you discover that he's yeah screwing Jake over. Yeah. And is taking out three hundred thousand dollars, like in in loans against the pub in Jake's name, which means you know he's fucked. And he does say it was an investment, but later on he does admit that he was he was going to um, take the money for himself. Mm-hmm. But just just an incredible character, and it and it is Mark Bonner, I think, like hundred percent in terms of the the scene when they're in the airport when they land back in Edinburgh. And he's speaking to the the guy at passport control, and you know when they get taken into the room, and then the guy comes back, and he's like, "Oh, you're right, we've got no jurisdiction over this stuff." And Max goes, "Ah, oh, well, you look very smart in your uniform." And it's, like, it's just, like, it's just an absolute condescending um, kind of, of of way that he goes down, yeah. and he's just got so many incredible lines um you know the, the other one that is that just i was in hysterics and it's i think it's in episode three spoiler alert they kind of end up later on at um sheila's house from series one yeah. and when jake's looking out at the road and he's going how can that road not speak to you and max goes because it's a road yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> <laughs> But uh, like the interaction he has, well, with his dad, we'll, we'll come to later. But um, yeah, I mean, Max is just possibly one of the the greatest characters mm. that's kind of been yeah created. He's just such a a dick, but you just you kind of can't help but root for him yeah. as well. Like you just you like him, you know, when when he's getting out of things and, and worming his way out of of issues and and. and stuff it's just like you're like yes come on max come mm. on it's um yeah he's just a likable character really and the thing i mean i suppose it's it's the sort of hallmark of any well-written and well-conceived drama you know like i know neil forsyth has been is sort of been vocal about the fact that 
it doesn't intend on doing anymore and it's this is very much the end that said you are left wondering you know they with max when he when he um you know he, when he comes to Aaron's house and we hear the cry of the little baby and stuff and you're just like you kind of need to know you know like we might never know and we probably won't because neil forsyth has said that's it but you're sitting thinking you need to know how is he going to react to that you know what i mean he's been because he's you know like of all the people that he's interacted with in the whole three series there's there's definitely something between him and Erin. She's the only one that he's not hmm. used to try and, you know, or put into like a difficult situation or something to try and get what he wants. And now here's this, he's got this possibility at the very end, you know, to sort of step up and, and be a family man and have a life with uh, with Erin. It's like, what does he do? You know, they, part of me thinks that he gets up and, you know, when the cameras roll, when the cameras stop rolling, he gets up and fucking runs for the hills. But another part of me thinks that <laughs> he, um, this is what he needs because, you know, they, we hear a lot about Max's and Max and Jake's childhoods and being raised by their mum who said mental health issues and, the, you know, being abandoned by, by their father and everything. And, you know, now here's, here's Max and he's got, he's got the opportunity to be a father to this, uh, this little baby, you know, is he, is he finally going to do the right thing and sort of turn his back on all these fucking shenanigans and schemes and stuff? Um, or is he going to, you know, or is he just going to run for the hills and, and do and do, and yeah. do what his father did, you know? I don't know. I think you, you've hit upon a very good point there, Greg, I didn't really think about, but you're right. Like at the end of series two, effectively, Max siphons all the money away from the lynches mm. and gives it to Eric. Yeah. And... He tells her the the truth about her her real father, uh-huh. and you're right. He's she's the only person he hasn't really screwed over. Yeah. He he gave her. He could have taken that money probably and fucked off, yeah. but he did the right thing. And you're right. He you could see in his face. I mean, obviously it's episode four when when kind of Aaron's um, reintroduced, but when when she walks into Leith Legals, yeah, and you see Max's face, it's it's pure. <sighs> delight and yeah. he's just he's terrified but he's also just so happy to see her yeah and obviously she's left edinburgh she's um living in dundee which apparently offers more than you think <laughs> i had an idea Aaron, of who i am where i came from who i came from and uh, it turns out that <clears throat> some of that was wrong and, and maybe all of it's wrong but that it's not a road that I can go down right now, soon maybe, but not now. Now is where things happen, Max. Where where can I find you when I'm ready? Dundee. Dundee. It offers more than you think. Jeez. <laughs> you know, but you could just see the, the kind of the excitement in his face when he sees her, and you're right. I, I, in terms of the way it ends, I I don't want to know. I, I'm happy to leave it at this yeah. but I I hope that he kind of gives it a go yeah. but um, yeah I'd, I'd be happy to just kind of yeah I mean let's just end because you know here, like, at the end of series two like, as you've just described you know he's he's stolen this money from the lynch he's, he's, he's given it to her but then he he sort of escapes to Chicago to go mm. and to go and he, go, he, he goes to Jake and you think well you know he's just done this this the like, uncharacteristically selfless thing for this woman that mm. he cares about and you know you think well you know now here he is off to reunite with his brother maybe he's maybe he's turned over a new leaf (laughs) 
But then, you know, we find out in the first sort of five minutes of the first episode that he's not turned over a new leaf at all. He's just, he's the same sort of frustrated, scheming, crafty guy that we first, that we meet in episode one of the first series. So um, Jake's pub, did you like the fact that they had a beer called Yaraj? (laughs) I did like it. On the... uh... Yeah. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it's really funny. And, you know, just that, that little, uh, those little bits of attention to detail as well. You know what I mean? That you sort of thinking you miss it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's sort of got Neil Forsyth all over it. But it's, it's the little bit, I mean, even, you know, in the first few minutes, you have, you know, the Yavraj, and then you've got the, the bit with Jake with 500 fezes in his flats. <laughs> and he's like, you know, and it's the little attention to detail where Max is like, you know, whoever thought Turkish night would be a good idea? <laughs> Turkish like, Mondays. You know, like, Turkish Mondays, that was it. Sorry. Like, I know about the fezes. Um, it's like, what the fuck? I've got some ideas. Are these ideas of a similar quality to Turkish Mondays? Turkish Mondays, as a premise, was essentially flawless. I know about the phases, Jake. I found the invoice. Do you, a grown man, currently live with 500 phases? Why would you have a Scottish bar in Chicago and have a Turkish Monday night? Like, it's, yeah, very strange. It reminded me of my uh, my fez, because I used to wear a fez. Did you? Was I, was I around when you were in? I had to remember you were in a fez. Uh, yeah, I used to, um, when I worked at TGI Fridays. Ah, of um, course. Because you had to wear uh, a ridiculous hat mm-hmm. or some sort of hat. And I decided I'd wear a fez because it was like probably the smallest kind of hat and I could wear it at the back of my head. Yeah. And um, and at that time, Aberdeen had a couple of Moroccan players <laughs> as well. So, so. I um, I did. I bought a cheap fez and, and wore that. So yeah, I used to have a fez, but uh, I didn't do any Turkish Mondays. No. at TGI Fridays though. I mean, I suppose that sort of brings us nicely over to uh, Jamie Sides as Jake. Mm. You know, I mean, as a character, he. I mean, he's just he, he just seems like the the unluckiest guy because he's he's such a nice guy and he's clearly got a a good heart and everything and you know he's a wee bit hapless but you know but he's he's sort of shackled to his brother who is the complete opposite in every way you know his brother's intelligent crafty a bit of a sociopath then you got jamie uh, you got jake rather who's the the other side of the coin open nice guy you know and just Every time, you know, like when when Angie leaves him at the be- at the beginning of that first episode, you're just like, really? Does he deserve that just for buying a load of fezes? <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, such a lovely guy. Everyone likes him. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone gets on with him, and just such a a likable character. And you're right, and and he's just got some great as as much as Max has comedic moments. You know, mm. Jake's got quite a lot as well. When he is chatting to Elisa. The, the American woman. Mm. She's always referred to as just the American woman. Yeah. Um, her name is Elisa. Um, when he's chatting to her in the hotel bar, and she's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and it's just, it's hilarious, the the interaction. And later on, when he's like, well, what did you chat about? So oh, just aubergine stuff. <laughs> it was... <laughs> Fucking brilliant. I mean, Jamie Sives is just, uh, yeah, he's an incredible, the, the comedy. Did you know um, Jamie Sives and Mark Bonner have known each other since they were 11 years old? I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I only found that out um, yesterday, actually. Right. I watched uh, an interview. Um, Mark Bonner was on This Morning with Holly and Phil. Right. Um, it was because it was back in April yeah. when Phil was, was still there. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, they they spoke about uh, Jamie. Yeah, they, they've known each other since they were eleven. Wow. And they've kind of they they weren't like proper close, yeah. but they knew each other. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, as the years developed, they they kind of got closer. But yeah, and and I think I wonder if that helps in terms of their interaction with the two of them because you you really do believe that they've known each other for years mm-hmm. when you see them together. So I, I can only presume that has, has helped yeah. in terms of Chemistry. The, their characters. Yeah, um, and, and I think the last thing, did, did we do Filth before we did Series 2 of Guilt? Or after? I think we did it after, right? Um, no, I think we did Filth First. before, I think. Right. Um, but I mean, Maybe. you know, the sort of contrast in characters between... Oh, no, um... Uh, uh, Sorry, you mean crime? Crime, yeah, um, not Phil. Sorry, crime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we did crime after series two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, the contrast of characters of yeah, because he's uh, Doogie Gilman. Yeah, isn't he? yeah. And the and the co- yeah, I mean, he's got like, Doogie like one of the sort of most reprehensible sort of characters in any drama. <laughs> to. <laughs> You know, to to playing Jake, who you would just you just love to sit and have a pint with and talk about records and stuff. You know, mm. sit at the bar and pass a couple hours talking about music and have a few beers. Maybe maybe go out behind the pub and share a joint. You know, <laughs> it's a fantastic actor. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, Dougie Gilman is just um, absolutely brilliant um, character in crime. And you're right. It's such a, a polar opposite in terms of the, of the character of Jake. And I think Jake obviously came as a surprise, kind of um, episode two. They um, like at the end of episode one, they, they they kind of go in the only place that they can go, which Jake doesn't know. And it, I was kind of I don't know. It's kind of spoiled it for me because I was watching the opening credits of episode two as it's coming up, and obviously it comes up with the the actors' names, and then it came up with David Heyman, yeah. and I was like, David Heyman isn't in guilt or he hasn't been in it so far so when they turn up and it turns out that that's their dad i was like ah okay so it was kind of slightly spoiled for me yeah because i was kind of thinking well kind of logically that's going to be the only kind of character it could be but well could have been someone else but um yeah a welcome addition to the cast i think as well in terms of david Heyman. yeah and the thing about david Heyman, i mean i david Heyman. i mean i've got somewhere i've got a dvd I had to find it with a load of um, a load of sort of Scottish play plays for today, and there's one that we've not done on the Swally by Peter McDougall called Just Your Luck. Um, I think it's one of the mm. first ones he did, and uh, yeah. it's about a Protestant uh, girl in Glasgow um, getting pregnant by and then getting married to a Catholic boy played by David Heyman. So David Heyman's supposed to be like a young. 18 year old boy in this play but it's one of those faces where he fucking he's always looked middle-aged and upwards <laughs> you know what i mean he's like it's just like he's, he's got a sort of well-traveled you know because indiana jones says it's not the age it's the mileage you know what i mean it's like yeah uh, on your and like it, i mean he's absolutely super in this um you know and uh, i'm the same as you when i saw his name in the credits i thought Right, he's, it's going to be a pivotal part that he plays. If I'm being honest, mm. I didn't, I hadn't counted on him playing uh, Max and Jake's dad. I thought he might be, he might, he might be sort of Roy Lynch's right, revenge-seeking brother or something like that. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, true. That would have probably been the other. Mm. Yeah, thought would have had. Yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, you know, 
brilliant actor, obviously, and then a, a great kind of role that he plays in terms of, you know, he does look after Max and Jake and you know, gives them some money. Yeah. And kind of makes maybe peace. Yeah. With them. I don't know. You know, Max shakes his hand at the end. As Jake says, like, he didn't really know him. Yeah. So he doesn't really have issues yeah. with him at all. It's Max that has the issues with him. So I think that was, um, yeah, something that kind of maybe was a bit cathartic for Max to be able to, yeah. to kind of resolve something. Yeah. Doesn't, um, um, doesn't make him a better person. <laughs> and, well, you know, no. sorting out his issues with his father, sadly. Um, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, no, of course not. Yes, no, definitely not. Um, and then, of course, we'll Emin Elliot back as Kenny, who is just a a fantastic character, but kind of has a bit less to do yeah. in this season. Really, I, I I think you really see that in season two, he effectively replaced Jake. Yeah, um, yeah. and then now Jake's back. It kind of he's pushed to the side a bit. Yeah, and you know most of his interactions really are with with Teddy. Yep, um, Navon or with um with Navon. Yeah, it's maybe um maybe maybe that's one maybe that's something that it could be criticised maybe a little bit for in this one because in the first series you know we had Jake and Max and Angie the bit later on and uh, a couple other sort of characters so Stevie. Um, the kind of corrupt policeman, mm. but you know, they, by, by the time we get to the third series, there's a we've got a lot of characters. Um, you know, there's the whole story yeah. with Sky, um, who it turns out who turns out to be Kenny's um, niece. You know, we've got we've got what Avon's going through, and you know, her investigation into the Lynches. We've got what's going on with Stevie and his sort of fall from grace and the police force and all that sort of stuff. You know, they they, they try to, it's you know, they, the kind of bulk of the storyline is sort of shown by what's happening with Max and and and, and Jake. But um, you know, I think sometimes when they when shows put in too many characters like that, it can sometimes you end up missing a bit of. And they can this instance, it's Kenny, like a character that we've enjoyed so much in the first two series. We don't get to see him. I mean, he does get his sort of requisite pasting. <laughs> he seems to get in each of the series. Although I don't know if he did in series two actually, but you know, obviously in the first series, he gets absolutely he gets a shit kicked out of him by uh, some mm. of Lynch's guys, and then in the third series, unfortunately, Teddy gives in to his instincts and his motivations, and um, and uh, he ends up in the hospital. And we think that maybe uh, Kenny's time's up. You know? Yeah, I agree. I think. Th- you're right. There are kind of maybe too many characters involved, and I think you, they kind of maybe needed to do it because it's the the third series, and it is almost like a greatest hits in terms of of some of the characters that come back, and and I'll speak about a couple later on. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, you don't really care that much about the bank deal mm-hmm. or the drug dealers yeah, and the kids, yeah. and you just want to see Max and Jake. But they are kind of integral to the storyline because it revolves around Maggie Lynch mm-hmm. and. It revolves around the money and and how they're going to get out of this in the end. But I'll be honest, as much as I I thought um, the Sky was a you know brilliant actress played by Amelia Isaac Jones, yeah. um, I thought she was great. She's great. Yeah. Um, but you know, in terms of the like her drug dealer boyfriend and stuff, like I I didn't even really know his name. No, if you know what I mean. In terms of, I think I did write it down somewhere, but I can't even bloody find it. But um, you didn't really know his name because it's never really introduced. 
And I realise he's the link between the Lynches and Sky, and then therefore Kenny, and then therefore Max mm. and Jake, and obviously the bank deal. So it is all interlinked and involved. But I'm kind of like, yeah, just give me some more time with Max and Jake. Yeah. Or give me some more time with Max, Jake, and Sheila yeah. as well. Yeah. Because yeah. when they turn up at Ellie Haddington's door, I, I genuinely burst out laughing. And I was like, yes <laughs> this is fucking brilliant I, I can't believe they've gone here <laughs> and the way they're talking about her and you know i think max refers to her at one point as like the old witch downstairs mm-hmm. and stuff and but it's so incredible to to have her back and and you know with Aaron coming back as well and it it very much is like a a total greatest hits of the first few series the, the first two series yeah. like, you know kind of combined of guilt they, they, they've kind of made sure that everyone has kind of have come back which is great yeah yeah um and I'm still raging with um imdb because ellie haddington despite having a lot more um credits to her name than most of the younger cast in guilt still doesn't have a photograph in her profile <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrible. Also, we've got Yvonne, uh, the, the police officer, Kenny's um, partner. Did you notice it was a different actress? I did notice that, yeah. It's, uh, this time it's Isura Barbie Brown, um, as opposed to Rochelle Neal in the last one. Do you know why she, mm. why uh, Rochelle didn't come back for it? Um, I think she was she was in something else, uh, wasn't I'm she? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. She was unable to come back. All right. Oh, right. I thought you were. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was just... <laughs> I did. I did read. I think it was film and commitments about right. um, something that she um, she wasn't able to come back. But um, again, you know, another character. Okay, she is kind of needed because she is the the police perspective, and obviously Stevie's been demoted, mm-hmm. so you kind of need the um, the that police aspect but, in terms of being able to take down the lynches. But and, also, and being able I was to, really pleased. You know, to see that her and Kenny were still together, you know, because mm. because Kenny, you know, they, in the first series he's he's an alcoholic and then he becomes a recovering alcoholic and in the second series he's sort of really getting his act together, you know, he's set up his own agency and everything else and he meets this, he meets Yvonne and and all that. So like to see them still together and living together um, in the third mm. series, I was like, good for you, Kenny. <laughs> you know, it's kind of what you, yeah. you what you want. You know, he's a bit like Jake. He's, you know, he's 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 one of probably two the two hearts of the show. So you could, you know, you want him to mm. things to work out for him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, no, it was good to see um, that they're still together and obviously wanting to try for a kid. Mm. And um, I guess they're gonna. Well, if if she does leave the police force, then gonna go to business. We're gonna set up Leith Legals <laughs> yeah. uh, together and go into business, which would uh, which would be wonderful. Be a sp- for spin-off show there, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Neil for sight. Uh <laughs> I'm sure you're not. And um <laughs> Well no listen to our um our episode oh, on he did, uh, actually, yeah. uh, Bob Servant. So yeah, yeah. Um and then I think Phyllis Logan as Maggie Lynch just absolutely knocks it mm. out of the park yeah. in in this series. She is just astounding. Like she's so good. Yeah, she's brilliant. And the the character is just fucking horrible. You know what I mean? Like you just oh. like there's nothing redeeming about her whatsoever. Even when even the scene that uh, she has with Erin, you know, the sort of sort of kind of heart to heart. You know, even in that, you know, she's not she's not looking for 
reconciliation with her daughter. You know, it's she's all yeah. you know, it's her complete focus is uh, getting her money out of this uh, out of this bank deal and sailing off yeah. into the sunset. Well, that yeah, it's exactly what she says. It's like I'm I'm going away. Mm. She doesn't really ask. All she really says to her is like, "You're in Dundee." <laughs> well. I suppose it's better than Glasgow, but um, <laughs> don't know if I agree with. Um, but although with Dundee, it does it does offer more than you think. Um, so yeah, but just a horrible character in terms of the Maggie Lynch, just all on her own, doesn't really give a shit. Even when Roy gets shot and they hear the gunshot, she's just kind of like, "Oh well, that's kind of yeah." You know, and I know, been, you know, he's dead. That'll be you it. Saw, so. You saw get the impression that it's something that she's prepared us. She's been preparing herself for for years. Mm. You know, given the nature of the business that Roy's in and and, and that she's in. You know, they and again, it's so well conveyed by her. It's like the moment that I've been mm. waiting for is here. You know, and I think that's one thing that this series does really well, and it is the the strong female characters, and especially the older strong female characters. Yeah. So I mean, you've got Maggie and Sheila, mm-hmm. and okay, they're both evil effectively because <laughs> you know Maggie is effectively this this big kind of um, drug lord crime boss, and then Sheila is just this kind of black widow that goes mm. and rips off old men that are coming towards the end. Yeah. I mean, carpet, was it carpet bowls? It's more exerting than you'd think. <laughs> um, <laughs> she says about the, the, the current guy that she's seeing. Um, but yeah, I think they do it really well in terms of this older strong female characters mm. and i think you need, you know, more of that in terms of, in, in terms of um, what we're seeing in, in um, TV and film today yeah for sure i mean and the thing is if you look at both ellie haddington and um phyllis logan's imdbs you know they it's they're both they're both of them are vast in terms of credits but you know there's no lead roles really you know i mean and arguably Mm. this isn't really a lead role for ellie haddington it's very much a supporting role but and Mm. you know i suppose you say the same about um about uh, phyllis logan as well but you know it's it's it feels like it's one of the leads because, you know, the story, the whole story of it revolves around what's going on with the Lynches and her in this, in her, mm. in her sort mm. of new position as head of the organisation. Um, but then, you know, if you scroll through, it's all sort of small parts, like a part, like one episode of Taggart, one episode of Downton Abbey, a Doctor Who, a this or that, you know what I mean? It's not, um, or like a short-lived sitcom you know, it's great to see an actress like her and like Ellie Haddington get a part, get parts like these ones that Neil Forsyth has written because like totally unpredictable characters, you know, completely unpredictable. Mm. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen next mm. um, with them, you know, especially, I mean, Sheila, if you if you think back to the first um, series, you know, it, it kind of comes out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's a beautiful reveal yeah. when, you know, Max at the door and, you know, she's like, I saw you. I know what happened. Yeah. And um, and it's a save when she opens the door when they turn up at her her house in series three. I, I genuinely was just delighted of just like, oh god, it's. <laughs> um, and and when you know she's negotiating of you know five grand a night, <laughs> and you'll pay for the petrol, and then it goes up to six grand a night. It's yeah, yeah she's just brilliant, absolutely fantastic character. 
and and wonderful actress as well. So yeah, really um, was delighted to see her back in this. And then of course the intimidable Greg McHugh as uh, Teddy again showing incredible versatility. If, if you think about some of the stuff that we've seen him in over the years, you know, obviously I guess he's he's going to be the most famous for at the moment anyway for uh, Gary Tank Commander. But then, you know, he's rolling fresh mm. meat. Is that they've got the pilot of um, Two Doors Down. Um, mm-hmm. He's just done a really successful... I think they've done two series of it, a drama on BBC Two, uh, or maybe even BBC One, um, about... It's sort of all to do with autism. and uh, He plays Chris Recklesen's sort of estranged son. I think, I think he does a Manchester accent. I think I saw a little bit of it. Mm. But apparently it's really good. And apparently it's got a, it's got a really good... Uh, Brit poppy soundtrack as well. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't for life me remember what it's called, but I suppose I could just quick look here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean he's a he's a fantastic actor, as you say. Like everything you've just mentioned there yeah. is is so different in every role. Yeah. In terms of you know Gary, um, the, the character he is in the the Two Doors Down mm. pilot, mm-hmm. Howard in Fresh Meat is just a, yeah. an absolutely fantastic really good. character. Yeah. Um, but then to play Teddy, who is just this absolute psychopath. And it's so funny in terms of, you know, you never see Teddy hit anyone. No. Or you never see him do anything. But everyone is just terrified of him. And and the way that, you know, Kenny is, is just absolutely terrified yeah. whenever he comes in. And even when he's just standing there with a the bike and they stop in the car and Max is absolutely shitting himself. Yeah. And comes out and, and and speaks to him. Beautiful interaction, and and I think yeah, Teddy's just such a wonderful character. He's just brilliant in terms of this, and and Greg McHugh is just absolutely fantastic in this role. Really, really wonderful. I mean, it's the the fact that they don't show Teddy actually committing any acts of overt violence. I mean, the closest we get to it is mm. when he sort of ta- is when he is when he takes Kenny by the throat. Mm. That's the closest we get to uh, him actually actually seeing him do anything and um yeah it's just absolutely brilliant although i did wonder where he got the old skoda from that he drove up to uh david Heyman's in <laughs> yeah and listening to some good old rangers tunes as well yeah. when um when he was driving that but as i say he's not much of a driver so he says but then he was obviously able to navigate that motorbike as well so yeah <laughs> nabbed because he was able to drive it there so um yeah um and of course yeah we have the kind of the the other main side kind of storyline is this bank deal Mm -hmm. that's going on which i say is um stuart porter as uh jim mclean uh uh, sorry um ewan mcnaughton as um sir jim sturrock yeah um, and then we have, and again, she's just kind of referred to as say, the American did you woman. Jim McLean, uh, <laughs> old Dundee manager. <laughs> United. Did I say Jim McLean. You did. Yeah, no, Jim, yeah, but Jim Sturridge. You, 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 you corrected yourself, but just wonder why he's just maybe wonder why he said Jim McLean. Oh well, Jim McLean's. There is a character called Jim McLean. Oh, in, oh um, yeah, there is. Shipport. Yeah, in this, because I've copied. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, and and yet yeah, the, the um Eliza, she's only ever really referred to as the American mm. woman, uh, American girl, but she's here to to try and get this this bank deal through, which kind of and she gets embroiled obviously with the the brothers and and everyone else because um they end up well not kidnapping, it's not a kidnapping. <laughs> um, can everyone stop saying kidnapping? <laughs> as um, kind of the the scene goes. So now you're going to kidnap me? Oh, we don't have to. 
We have something you want badly enough to stay here for. I just need you to sit there until you can tell me how we both win. How is that not a kidnapping? Because it's for your own good. It feels like a kidnapping. That's not helpful. I'm not doing a kidnapping. If you lot don't want to do a kidnapping, the first step would be to stop calling it a fucking kidnapping. Well, yeah, she kind of, um, yeah, interesting character. And again, another like, okay, was this really needed? But I don't know, you, you know, as you say, it's it's almost like too many characters in this. Yeah, I think we need her to sort of navigate the, the intricacies of the banking deal for us you know what i mean mm. um as the audience you know there's this i think i think we sort of needed that um you know why she had to be american and all that i don't know um i guess it's a choice that they made um but uh she is good in it you know I, to your point yeah maybe there mm. maybe she is one character too many but she's certainly very very good oh yeah don't get me wrong i, I really enjoyed um her performance and um i enjoyed seeing her on screen as well because she was um she's very lovely but um yeah kind of like ah oh, well you know again like as we've spoken about it's kind of like right if, if there's anything to do with the bank deal or if the drug dealers it's kind of like oh can we just get back to like max and jake please i kind of want to, to just see them or kenny you know yeah. I, I kind of want to spend time with these characters but don't get me wrong i i, I thought you know they were great and i i thought that everything happened for a reason and mm-hmm. kind of led to the, the, the conclusion in the end but i, I agree with what we're speaking about earlier in terms of maybe there were slightly too many characters yeah yeah do you agree that frankie miller's the best white singer since elvis <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a subjective uh, opinion um i mean he's he's definitely up there jake thinks he's 16th um at best is is what jake says but um David Heyman is, is adamant that Frankie Miller is the best white singer since Elvis. <laughs> David Heyman probably knows Frankie Miller. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, he would do. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely would do. Um, I think the um, what strikes it for me is the... And this is why I, I, I don't want a, a fourth series of Gil. Mm. I, I would love a fourth series of Gil, but I don't want one yeah, yeah. because the, the ending is just so beautiful and it's because they use Backwards Walk by Frightened Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. And just as soon as that starts jangling, I'm just like, oh my God. And it's just so beautifully done in terms of that. I I, I absolutely love that song, you know, and I love um, love Frightened Rabbit. And just the the beautiful... It's not often, you know, you, you see a song used so perfectly. Yeah. And I think it's just used so beautifully in that. And I'd, I'd be very happy to just kind of end it yeah. on that. For sure. If you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and let's see, you know, let's see what happens. You know, there were the sort of two threads left dangling. The one that we spoke about earlier when Max goes to uh, Aaron's and finds out that he's a father. And there's the very quick scene um, when Sheila turns up at David Heyman's door. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're like, well, what's, yes. What's, what's going to happen here? You know. Um, well, he's um, obviously he's got his pension yeah. from um, his injury, so um, ah, he deserves a little bit of company if that's what's what's going to happen. Yep. Even if she is going to 
just fleece him. But he's not. You yeah, know, he's savvy though. He's, he's healthy enough. Yeah. He's out fishing every day and and healthy enough. So, but there's not a scene when between David Heyman and Mark Bonner when David Heyman says, you know, that you're a lot like me. Um, you mm. know, which makes me think, well, is is Sheila going to be able to get to get one over on David Heyman? You know, what I mean, because he's he's not like some unsuspecting old fella. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the. Is it? Yeah, when he's speaking. To him, yeah, I think your your mother always said you were you were like me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Well, but to know, yeah, maybe she won't be able to get one over on him. Then, yeah, we'll just have to see. Just have to wait and see. So, any anything else on season three of Guilt? Should we go through our awards? The only thing I would say as well, in terms of the, I did like the, and they've been very clever in terms of the, the way they've divided this. In terms of, um, you know, you're not in Edinburgh anymore. You're in Leith. Yeah, different rules apply. Yeah. And it's very much Leith is just this separate area from Edinburgh, yeah. and it's it's different. You know, I guess it's like I don't know Cumbernauld and Glasgow type thing. Um, you know, time of year. Um, but yeah, I did like that um, when Sky's mum had made Elisa. You know, I've done your lawn sausage and um, such as vegetarian. <laughs> and when Sky says to her, you know, you're not in Edinburgh anymore. You're in Leith. Yeah, different rules apply. So yeah, I, I thought it was kind of good um, the way they and 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 Maggie and. Jim, that's kind of a a bone of contention yeah. in terms of you know you're you're not from Leith, you're from Edinburgh. Um, so it's very much mm-hmm. a Leith is the the kind of where you the linchpin yeah. of it. If you I mean, Irvin Welsh does quite a lot of that in his books, like especially his books with the chain spotting characters. You know, like the four or five books that mm. there are. Is, you know, the the characters consider. Edinburgh and Leith to be separate entities. You know, like Leith isn't part yeah. of Edinburgh. It's you know, it's like a, it's it's an adjacent uh, community. You know, in its own right. Uh, well, yeah. Let's put it through the Swally Awards. What have we got first, Greg? Okay, as always, the uh, the James Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish. I've given this to two actors here. So I've 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 gone with Hayward and Haddington. <laughs> what about you? I've gone with Haddington and Logan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Heyman would probably be up there as well. I think. Um, yeah, you could probably do a three-way tie. <laughs> yes, um, three-way tie. Yes, because Logan's been in a lot of stuff. So yeah, yeah, okay. I'm happy to go with that. I think definitely. Okay, the Bobby the Barman Award for best pub. Well, it's only two, really, isn't there? There's Jake's Pub, and then there's the the hotel bar mm. that they're in. But I mean, Jake's Pub. I'd, I'd fucking love to go there. All day, every day. Great. Yeah. Looks brilliant. I mean, oh. and it's obviously that pub is somewhere in Scotland. There's no way they've gone to all the way to America just to film those scenes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. So maybe we could yeah, get to need that to find out. There. Actually, yeah, yeah I need to find out where that is. Actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, um, I'd love to go there. It looked like a brilliant pub. Yeah. Um, next, then the Jake McQuillan Your Teasut Award. Uh, poor old Johnny Watson being thrown over the balcony. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we didn't even strike up on Jonathan no, Watson's little cameo yeah. in this, which um, is kind of in it for uh, a few minutes. But I don't know, there's not a lot. Like we said, a lot of the violence is is off screen. Yeah. Um, in terms of when someone's getting assaulted or dunted. I mean, I kind of tease you, you could kind of say I was going to actually pick Max getting his comeuppance at the end. Right. Which we kind of haven't really spoken about, actually, in terms of, you know, yeah. Jake taking the money, yeah. um, effectively. But then it's not really a tease because he then goes to Aaron yeah. and his and baby. So it's not really a tease yeah. So, yeah, I kind of went with Johnny Watson being thrown over the balcony. He goes for the happy ending he didn't know that he wanted. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't go for Johnny Watson. I went for the execution of Stevie because it's, ve- uh, yes. you know, in a in a series which a lot of the violence is implied or off screen, that it was quite shocking, you know, where they can see this front mm. room, you know, just, you know, we've seen people get shot in the heads on TV about a million times, but just because there's n- there's nothing in any of the episodes as violent as, even when, um, when Lynch gets shot in the first mm. episode, we don't see it. We see him lying out on the ground yeah. being shot, but we don't we don't uh, physically see it. So it was quite um, yeah, you're right. It was quite uh, jarring for a moment or two to see uh, yeah. poor old Stevie getting his brains getting his brains blown out. Yeah, you're right. Actually, no, you're spot on there. Yeah, that was quite a a sad moment as well. Yeah. It's a shame. You kind of like Stevie. Yeah, he was a bit of a dick, and yeah. obviously previous um series but he kind of was trying to redeem himself so Mm -hmm. yeah it was a bit of a shame yeah um so the next one then i couldn't i I don't think there is any uh the ewan the ewan mcgregor award for nudity nothing really is there no there's not we had enough on the last episode (laughs) so we're we're kind of we're done we're We're done for i think that's our quota for the next (laughs) like six months of um (laughs) of podcasting in terms of that we're still recovering from young adam (laughs) and then i'm gonna need your help with this one because like i didn't know anything down when i watched it but the francis begbie award for gratuitous swearing there's a i mean there's a few there's not really gratuitous but in terms of like best use of swearing there's there are a few, right. but my my favourite one was um, when Maggie Lynch is speaking to Jim and he's saying how he's from Leith and she says, um, you're from Edinburgh and you fucking know it. Oh, yeah. And it's just kind of a, a put down. And then, again, the other um, choice I had was Maggie Lynch. I, th- I can't remember the exact term um, she uses, but she, she does say, like, I think it's in episode four, like, I run this fucking city. Yeah, yeah. And or I own this fucking city. Um, so yeah, I kind of I gave it to that. But yeah, I gave it to the um, you're from Edinburgh and you fucking know it. Just the the disdain in our voice of you know you're not from fucking Leith. Yeah. You're from Edinburgh. Um, and then archetypal Scots moment. What did you go for for this? So it's always puzzled me why <laughs> the rest of Scotland has such disdain for the kingdom of Fife. <laughs> Never really worked it out. <laughs> but there's a line where the, uh, I think Maggie says, you always want Fife in your rearview mirror. And I was like, well, why, is, why does Fife get roasted so much? You know, like in, in Bob's Servant, they roast Fife um, as well. And so for me, there's something quite Scottish. I guess not if you live in Fife, but you know, for the rest of the country, there's something quite Scottish about just habitually roasting Fife at every opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's just a well, the Neil Forsyth trait, then, isn't it? Yeah, in terms of maybe, maybe roasting on Fife. Yeah. What about you? Would you go for? Um, I went for the. Um, I think it's in the second episode when Jim is speaking to all of the American visitors for the bank, and they're drinking whiskey. Mm. And he says, we'll go to Edinburgh Castle, we'll get around a golf, yeah. you know. Yeah. He might as well have said, you know, we'll go and get some shortbread, yeah. get some haggis. Get a tablet. You know, <laughs> get some bagpipes, <laughs> get a kilt. Let's just yeah. do it all. But um, yeah, I went for that. Either either that or Jake having Yaraj as, yeah, um, yeah. as his beer. I, th- I should recall somebody early on in the first series saying, disco Yaraj as well, which made me laugh. I know he said it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then last one then, Sean Connery Award. Who won the show for you? Uh, this is the, the, the toughest one. Um, I, I went with Mark Bonner in terms of series one and two. Right. 
and I've got Mark Bonner for this as yeah. well. But I, I really want to give Phyllis Logan a shout. Yeah. In terms of her performance, but I, I kind of decided I was going to give it to Phyllis Logan, and then watching it again to make my notes, I'm like, how can I look past Mark Bonner? Uh, um, his, his performance is just so good. It's the the quips, the one liners, the the facial expressions. You know every emotion he's going through just by looking at his face. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, but then you also don't know what the character is going to do next, mm. and he's just a, it's just masterful, like genuinely one of the greatest characters ever created. I just like, I, and you know, I really love that sort of self-satisfied smile that he does when something works out. He's, you know, it's if shark, if, <laughs> if sharks could grin. I feel like the back, the, but that's what they would look like. They would look like, <laughs> they would look like Max. The um, <laughs> the, but you know what? There was um, the way he he bounces off of anyone he's on screen yeah. with when he's with Ellie Haddington, it just bounces off. And David Heyman, I, that one of my favourite lines of the show was um, when um, Max and David Heyman are having a chat when he's come downstairs and, and they're speaking late at night and um he points at the cross and he says did you get that a cracker yeah and david Amos says no I, I tried it for a while mm. you know i went to confession and max says you know that must have taken a while <laughs> and Heyman, quick as a flash because yeah we had to stop for lunch did you get that on a cracker <laughs> i gave it a go confession well must have taken a while we had to stop for lunch the the back and forth he just seems to get out of everyone the, the, the scenes with Eileen McCallum uh, sorry Ellie Haddington are just phenomenal yeah. and with Phyllis Logan as well and anyone he's on screen with and but it's just the the difference of the interaction like when he's on screen with Aaron you can you can actually feel the kind of mm. sexual tension mm-hmm. smoldering yeah and you're kind of like just just hug it out or do something mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know what it has to be mark bonner yeah just absolutely won this series and, and won the show for me he's just phenomenal yeah I, I can't wait to see what comes up next for him you know um mm. i'm you know just absolutely so i tied his flag to the mast with it uh, with this performance. um well he's um he's working with ridley scott um at the moment Oh, is this this Napoleon in his next film? The Napoleon film, is it? Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's not bad. So yeah, he's definitely, um, definitely doing well. So and and good on him because he fucking deserves it because he's absolutely brilliant. He is very good. I wonder. What... Okay, well, I guess that wraps up series of guilt. So that was my choice on the podcast, Greg. So why don't you tell us what we're going to be looking at on the next episode? Of the cultures. Well, un- unfortunately, I need to take you out your culture, your comfort zone a wee bit, and take you back uh, to the turn of the twentieth century for the next one. Um, mm. But it's a film, so I'm sure you'll be able to tough it out. And I've gone for the starring Gerald Butler and Peter Mullen, uh, 2018's *The Vanishing*, the movie based on the 1900 disappearance of the Flannan Isles Lighthouse crew. Uh, watched the trailer yesterday uh, with my daughter and she said, oh, I'd quite like to watch that. I'll watch that with you as well. So for, it could be a swally first. Um, my daughter actually watching something that we're, that we're reviewing on the podcast with me. That was um, going to be one of my next picks. Oh. <laughs> on the swally. Sorry, mate. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. I've already, I've already got my next pick okay. sorted, but that was going to be probably my pick after. Right. So I haven't watched it, but yeah, I have watched the trailer. And I, funnily enough, I listened to a podcast the other week um, with a guy who I think had written a book about 
the the actual disappearance. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert! Mind you, the film is called The Vanishing. Yes, it is. So yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of he's written a book about the vanishing. Um, and yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to that episode. Actually, I'll try and find it. Um, but yeah, fascinating story. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward. That's um, yeah, it's uh, Gerard Butler, Peter Mullen, Connor Swindles. Oh yeah. Okay. wonderful well i will look forward to watching the vanishing then um all right thank you very much for listening everyone hope you enjoyed the show if you'd like to get in touch with us you can you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com and you can get in touch with any news stories you've seen uh you'd like to share or if you've got any requests that you'd like us to to cover then you can um get in touch with us on there and you can follow us on the social media on instagram at culture swally pod or on twitter at swally pod and greg we have a wonderful website as well don't we uh, wonderful but sadly a little neglected uh website uh, which needs my attention but yet yeah, you can find us at cultureswally.com there's links to all the episodes and a few features to read over while you're supposed to be at work because they were written when i was supposed to be at work <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it was wonderful to catch up. Yeah, I would say like it's been the first time in a month, but obviously I um I saw you a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and um well I spoke to you a couple of nights yeah. ago. So um yeah, uh, but it's wonderful to catch up again on this valley and get back into the the spirit of things. So um I hope this episode was okay. We might have been a little bit rusty because it was like a month that we'd had off, but you can join us next time for the vanishing, and we'll be back to normal service. Until next time. See, when I look out there, it comes right back to me, Max. That decision that night. Then don't look out there. How can that rod not speak to you? Because it's a rod.